November has flown by, and somehow we have made it to the final episode of New Reads November 2023. As always, I have loved the opportunity to take a brief break from our usual programming for these discussions about YA releases from the last year. Thank you so much for tuning in. To wrap things up for the month, my guests and I are chatting about Highly Suspicious and Unfairly Cute. Published in January of this year, it's the first YA novel by best-selling romance author Talia Hibbert. The book introduces readers to Celine and Brad, teenagers living in the UK whose years-long friendship was interrupted by those pesky high school dynamics of popularity and coolness. Throughout Highly Suspicious and Unfairly Cute, we are treated to both Celine and Brad's points of view, proving the truth of the conventional wisdom about there being two sides to every story. As they navigate a competitive scholarship program that has the potential to help both characters achieve their goals, they might just repair their friendship and become something more. Highly Suspicious and Unfairly Cute also explores obsessive-compulsive disorder, perfectionism, and the impacts of family abandonment. My guests and I dive into all of these subjects, discuss the ways in which various romantic tropes play a role in the book, share our thoughts on the various types of representation we see on the page, and more. To help me with this grand finale of New Reads November 2023, I have not one, not two, but three guests. I've been wanting to assemble this kind of group for an episode for a long time, and this felt like the perfect moment. This week, you will meet three of the nearly 100 members of SSR's Patreon community, Brittany, Kate, and Shira. All three of them have been patrons for literally years and are very active in basically every aspect of the Patreon world. I appreciate them so much, and I think it will be abundantly clear as you listen that we have truly become a bookish family thanks to the podcast and Patreon. Big thanks to Brittany, Kate, and Shira for volunteering to guest on episode 271 and for all of their love and support over the years. If after listening to this episode, you want a piece of the Patreon love too, all you have to do is go to www.patreon.com slash ssrpodcast or visit www.ssrpodcast.com and click support at the top of the page. You can also find your way to all things Patreon at the link in my Instagram bio at ssrpod. At the end of this interview, you'll hear more about what this particular group loves most about being part of Patreon. But as a reminder, there is a long list of benefits that comes with membership. Access to our SWR book club, an invite to SSR's Discord, bonus episodes, newsletters, reading recap videos, and more. Plus, you'll be taking an active role in supporting the podcast, which is more important than ever as I head into my podcast maternity leave in January. Why? It assures me that there's a real fan base waiting for the show when I come back. SSR is an independently produced one-woman show, so these practical considerations do unfortunately have to come into play. The good news is that Patreon has been massively helpful to me in keeping the show going strong, and I know that you will be convinced at the end of this hour that it is a genuinely great time for the participants too. It's a win-win. Again, you can learn more at www.patreon.com slash ssrpodcast or by going to www.ssrpodcast.com and clicking support at the top of the page. Five-star ratings and reviews also go a long way. If you've loved New Reads November, let me know by leaving one of those or by sharing a screenshot of this episode to your Instagram story. Tag me at SSRPod so I can see it. My pals at Inkwell Threads recently dropped an extremely cute line of bookish seasonal merch, and you've got to check it out. I especially love the Home for the Holidays sweatshirt and the Book Tree glitter sticker. You can get 20% off all Inkwell Threads purchases when you use code SSRPod at checkout. 
Shop the whole collection at www.inkwellthreads.com SSRpod and be sure to use that code SSRpod. I am a big fan of all of Inkwell's products and I'm happy to endorse them. All right, friends, it's time for the final episode of New Reads November 2023. Next week, we will be back with a conversation about one of our usual throwback titles. More specifically, Roald Dahl's Fantastic Mr. Fox. I'll see you there. In the meantime, let's go to the show. Welcome to the SSR Podcast. You may recognize SSR as an elementary school era abbreviation for silent sustained reading, but if you don't, that's okay. What it stands for here is Shit She Read. Each week, we'll crack the binding on an old school read written for kids or teens and talk about it from a kind of grown-up perspective. We'll obsess over heartthrobs, relive the frustrations of middle school, and say an occasional WTF to a beloved author. If we haven't met yet, I'm your host, Ali Hafkasik, freelance writer, lifelong bookworm, and lover of anything covered in rainbow sprinkles. So find your favorite reading spot and a glass of wine. We're about to revisit some literary throwbacks right here on the SSR Podcast. Okay, so hello. This is the last episode of New Reads November 2023, and we are here with some very special guests. I feel like I have been at a party for the last 10 minutes since we jumped onto this call. I have three very good friends of mine on today, all members of the SSR Patreon community. And I've been wanting to do this for a long time, have a little bit of like a Patreon party on the podcast. And I thought New Reads November was the perfect time to do it. So listeners, I'm so excited to introduce you to three of our patrons. We have Britt, we have Kate, and we have Shira. And we are going to be talking about a book called Highly Suspicious and Unfairly Cute, which I kind of feel is like the subtitle to Irv's memoir, but that's neither here nor there. Let me start by just having each of you say hello, maybe say where you are from, and that way our listeners will know your voices before we jump in. So how about Britt, you go first. We'll just keep it alphabetical. Okay, this is Brittany and I am from Philly. Yes. Do you want me to call you Britt or Brittany for the duration of this call? Britt's fine. All right. I can't help myself. Britt's got books, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. How about you, Kate? I'm Kate, and I'm from outside Boston. And fun fact, everyone, Kate and I went to the same high school years apart, but we come from the same place, so we share some references. Yes, I should say I'm from Pennsylvania, but I currently live outside of Boston. Yes, and maybe some of those shared references will come up over the course of this. Who knows? And Shira, how about you? Hi, I'm Shira, and I am currently in Jackson, Mississippi. Great. Well, thank you to the three of you for jumping in when I put out the call to our Patreon family about doing a Patreon special episode for New Reads November. The three of you worked together to choose this book. Now, because you are devoted listeners to the podcast, you know I have to ask, why was this the book you chose? Why did we go down this road? Listeners, in case you didn't know, the book is written by Talia Hibbert who you probably know more as an adult romance author, but it had been put on my radar by a couple of listeners. And I was excited when this little trio came back and told me that this was the book we were talking about. So let me hear a little bit about why. Well, full transparency, there were five books to pick from. And I liked three of them and Britt liked three of them. And we only had one in common. So (laughs) that was the one we ended up with. And I said, I have read that one and it is great. So I'm happy to read what you two agree on. <laughs> Wait, that sounds like it was actually super easy. Yeah, I think it was maybe an hour uh, back and forth, if that. 
great. I was a little bit worried because sometimes three can be a tough number, maybe too many cooks in the kitchen, but it worked out well. So I want to hear a little bit about your experience with Talia Hibbert because we've been lucky enough to have her on the podcast and she is, like I said, much better known as an adult author. So do any of you have any like particular affection for her adult books? Are there any titles that stand out in your mind? Anything that really made you excited to read her first YA novel? I read Get a Life Chloe Brown and I was excited going in. I feel like it fell a little bit flat, but I was very excited by the summary of this book and I had high hopes for for how it would compare to her other books. What about you, Britt and Shira? Have you read her adult books? I personally have not. I know that it's uh, most of them have been on my TBR just because I've been really, I've heard really great things and obviously was very curious. So when I found out that this was a YA take, I was especially excited to be introduced to her writing and also to see, you know, how her first YA novel would go. And I've read the three Brown sisters books, starting with um, Get a Life, Chloe Brown. And so I really enjoyed all of those. And so when she had this, and it seemed to be in that similar vein of having good like disability or mental health representation. And obviously always just like British like humor and snark is always like thrown into her books. And that is always very fun. So I was always happy to read her books. Yeah, I read one of them. I think I read Get a Life, Chloe Brown, whichever is the first in that trilogy. And I liked it. I didn't love it, but I loved talking to Talia on the podcast and I was excited to see this book. I love the cover. Like, can we talk about how cute the cover is? It's adorable. It's very cute. Yeah. So cute. All of the book bloggers were raving about it, especially because it immediately shows young readers that they're getting some representation in this book, which I think is so important. Like, we are not only writing in words that there's rep in the book, but like we're showing right on the cover that readers can expect not only two characters of color, but a girl who calls herself fat. And that's really important. Having black fat rep in YA, like in all other categories, is so important. And so there are a lot of teen book bloggers who I came across while I was researching for this episode who were like, just seeing this cover like made me excited to read the book. Yeah, I think it was just nice that she always has characters who are kind of like unabashedly themselves. And I would say for anybody who's read Chloe, I know all of you likes books. And I would say Danny Brown is had a lot of academia and like library profession vibes in it. So okay, that is always another fun one. That's good to know. That's good to know. All right, I'll keep going because I had sort of I'd, I'd waited because like I said, I liked it and didn't love. So Talia is known for writing these characters that are like you said, Shira, unabashedly themselves. They own their neurodiversity, they own their differences, and they're just kind of like still trying to get the same love stories that everybody else is having, which is how it should be. And I really appreciate that she brought this directly into a YA format. I did want to go ahead and read the author's note because it acknowledges some trigger warnings in case those are relevant to any of our listeners. The author's note says, this story involves parental abandonment and a portrayal of living with obsessive compulsive disorder. I hope I've handled my characters' experiences with the care they and you, the reader, deserve. This story also involves highly fictionalized portrayals of existing forests. I am very sorry for all the geographical inaccuracies. In my defense, I did it for the feels. So we have a very like serious opening to that author's note and then sort of like a silly sign-off, which I enjoyed and was very true of my experience meeting Talia. So let's talk about the characters. We have a dual perspectives novel here between Brad and Celine. And spoiler alert, everybody, these are the love interests. I kind of am just curious to get your takes on each of these characters. So we meet Celine, we meet Brad. What did you think of them right off the bat? I really liked Brad. I found a lot of similarities in him to myself. Celine, 
I was a little thrown off by just how Gen Z she seems and like how cool and I don't know I something about just the way she was written I was like oh okay like I don't really relate to her but I found her fun was it the conspiracy theory TikTok that threw you off no I found that part fun I think I did too I don't know I don't know I I definitely connected with Brad though okay what about you Shira Britt I think I connected with him more, but I appreciated the, like, the representation of somebody who, like, knows they're over the top and has acknowledged it and has, like, doesn't know either how to rein themselves in or, like, doesn't want to and is, like, just, like, happy with that. Because I was like, oh, that might have, like, been some of my friends or me at, like, some points when I was, like, younger. And so I was like, okay, great. It's good to be reminded that, like, don't let the people be annoying to them. But I definitely related to a lot of what was in, like, Brad's brain. And I was like, oh, look at that. Wow. I definitely had some Celine tendencies when I was in high school. Listeners will know this because I have talked about it at length, but like I was such an overachiever in high school in a way that I think was probably like on par with Celine as far as annoyingness. Like I think I probably really just just was grating to many people. She's so ambitious. There's so many things that she wants to accomplish. She will stop at nothing. And that can be a good thing in some in some moments, but then of course it is not always an advantage. So there were times when I was really frustrated by her, but then I was like, am I frustrated by her or am I frustrated by myself? Because I took myself too seriously when I was in high school. I don't know. We'll never know. Britt, what did you think about these two? So I related, unlike everyone else, to Celine a lot more actually than I really thought or wanted to, with the exception of the TikTok conspiracy theories. You don't have one of those that you've been hiding from us, Britt? <laughs> that's that's secretly it. it. It's not Britt's got books. It's Britt's got conspiracy theories to, uh, to debunk. But it was a lot. And I was like, oh, wow, this was high school me. This was college me. This this is still me. And so there were times where, like you, Ellie, I definitely was uh, almost a little frustrated with the character and having to be like, okay, wait, am I frustrated with me? And I appreciate it, Brad. I think he was a really good foil to Celine. You know, there was definitely some things that, you know, I would change about each of them, but I think that uh, both were written fairly well. There were a few blog reviews that described Celine at least in the beginning of the book, as mean. And there was the use of the word shrill, which I do not appreciate, certainly. But I do kind of want to explore this notion of meanness in Celine. Would any of you characterize her that way at the start of the book? I don't think I used the word mean, but I definitely felt that she was, like, not snippy, but just very, like, she had a lot of comebacks. She was very, I don't know what the word is, but just, like, Oh, I don't know. I can't think of the right word. Like she was waiting to catch Brad and pretty much anybody else doing something that she could then like kind of snap at? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I thought it more of as defensive, uh, you know, in terms of a defense mechanism for those that were, especially Brad's group, uh, who maybe looked down on her. I forget the friend's name. But because of all the commentary and all that, if anything, I thought it more as like a defense mechanism. I also just, I didn't find her to be mean. I just found her to be like, painfully honest like maybe too much and Britt because you brought up Brad's friend group I think it's a good time to sort of lay the groundwork for their relationship because now that we've established these two characters we have Celine who is this sort of typical overachiever really invested in her schoolwork has a very specific plan for herself professionally she has this like steps for success board where she has laid out all the things that she needs to do to get to the 
law job that she wants. We have Brad, who is the star football, that's soccer, star who also is like popular and he is not quite as academically successful as Celine, but he's pretty close. But these two actually have a history together. And this is, this was, I think, my favorite part of the book because while I didn't necessarily connect or like love how some of the threads played out toward the end, I really enjoyed the way that the author showed this idea of there always being two sides to every story and showed the extent to which like young people, especially, and this isn't like me shitting on teenagers because I think we've all been there, the extent to which young people like just can misread signals from people because they're learning how to interact with each other. And as a teenager, I was very reactive and very committed to holding grudges. And so I enjoyed seeing how the author explored how those dynamics were at play in this relationship. So basically Brad and Celine go way back. Their moms became friends when they were babies. And so they were like family friends. It's this whole notion of like home friends versus school friends, which I always think is funny in books and pop culture because I don't know about you all, but I I remember there being a distinction. Like there were some friends that you had outside of school that maybe you didn't interact with at school. But they've grown apart. And at the beginning of the book, we're not quite sure why there's this gulf between them now. Does anybody want to jump in and kind of talk about like their first impression of what was maybe going on there and why there was so much tension? I think I just like assumed initially that it would be like the natural like, oh, somebody who's easier like socializing with folks had, you know, made uh, more inroads into the general social field and maybe forgot to like, not that he should have had to bring his friend along in every situation, but kind of she got kind of like left behind in the way that she, you know, was more cautious and approaching people knowing that she could have like be a big personality. And so I guess I assumed that maybe there wasn't such a big thing that maybe it was a smaller thing in like teen world that they kind of like overblew in their heads. But I wasn't really sure what it'd be. And I thought it was just kind of natural, like social progressions initially. Which I think is a pretty fair assessment. I mean, there were, it sounds like to me, there were a few specific incidents that happened, but overall it was a matter of them growing apart and just kind of like growing more into themselves do we think that's fair to say yeah I feel like as as you get into an environment like high school and you're thinking about okay who am I now who do I want to be there can definitely be those relationships and those friendships that don't fit that mold of who you want to be who you think you're becoming and I definitely saw that in there they're growing apart. And it was sad because I I do think that that's the kind of dynamic that so many people can relate to because it is only natural. Like you said, Kate, I think part of it is when you get into this new environment like high school where there is this pressure to kind of define yourself potentially in a new way and you are surrounded potentially by new people. Like I know that when I went to high school, all of a sudden like there were so many more people than I was used to. And so you start to kind of rethink your place and what might be sort of available to you socially. And before high school, Brad and Celine were like their own little pod where they were like smart and quirky and that seemed to work for them. But it was like Brad got to high school and he kind of realized like, wait, am I hot? Like, am I really good at soccer? What's going on here? <laughs> New crew. 
Yeah, new crew. And he leaned in and like you can't really blame him until he starts being a jerk to Celine, which we of course do not condone. But hearing both of their experiences and and that sort of unfolds throughout the book. Like we don't get the whole story right away, but over the course of all of these pages, we get snippets of of these moments where they both felt misunderstood, where Celine felt like she had been cast aside by Brad, where Brad felt like he had been trying to extend himself to her over the years and she had been so quick to like shut him out in those moments and I just was like it is such a testament to the perils of miscommunication yeah but I feel like they like I think the other hard part was that he hadn't realized that his friends were also like making fun of her in a way that really affected her and I think that was hard as she was like oh it's this whole group against me that my friend used to be my friend and now he's with all these other people making fun of me and he didn't realize it because they didn't get under his skin, he didn't realize that what they were doing to her like was affecting her day to day. Yeah, until he saw it. And that was a really big moment. He actually sees one of his friends making fun of her. And that's a real turning point in the book and in their relationship. But their relationship rides many highs and lows throughout the book because in addition to them having these sort of like emotional reckonings with each other, they both decide to apply for this program, this scholarship program, which is led by a very successful woman named Catherine Brakespeare. And she is sort of Celine's like icon. She wants to be exactly like this woman when she grows up. And she heard that this program, which was once restricted to university students, not college students, because this is the UK, it used to just be uni students, but now high schoolers are invited. And there are like, it's sort of, I think, needlessly complex, like how the whole situation is explained, because in the end, the particulars of the program end up being like not super important. But basically, it's this like outdoor expedition in three parts that take place over the course of your senior year and you get graded on your performance on this like complicated matrix and then the people who are best at it get a really awesome scholarship and if I'm not mistaken they basically get to like write their ticket to any university am I making that up or is that how you read it too I read it as it would look really good on a resume. Like you would basically be guaranteed admission if you had this on your resume. But the three kids who got the thing, got the like scholarship, I feel like it was just like it said full tuition. And so I guess like wherever you got in, then you could get your tuition covered. It wasn't clear where. So that is pretty cool. But they're not like, oh, within like X amount of money. I think initially I was like, oh, does this automatically get you admission to anywhere you want? But no, that makes more sense, Shira. Like, they'll get a full scholarship to anywhere they want to go. Yeah, the top three people. Yeah. So it starts as Celine's thing because she's obsessed with this woman. But then Brad hears about it. And he at first is curious because he is just like, hmm, maybe I can get under Celine's skin. But then he realizes that there's more in it for him because – he is really hopeful that he'll be able to have a single room when he goes to college because we learn that he has obsessive compulsive disorder, which would make it very difficult for him to have a roommate. I want to pause now because I am curious, does anybody have any like horrendous roommate stories that would potentially put Brad off and make him that much more enthusiastic about getting this scholarship? I have one. Oh, go. Please. Okay. I'll let you all have the wheels turning. So I, I mean, my freshman year, I lived with three people, which was a lot. And it was a pretty small room. And there are a lot of grosser stories that I could tell that I won't tell because that would be disrespectful. But there was one night when one of my roommates 
And she, like most of us freshman year, was drinking quite a bit. And she came home late one night and decided that she was going to put a load of laundry in at like 1130. No, it was probably later than that. This is college. I'm like, whoa, so late 1130. No, it was probably 1am. And she put the load of laundry in the laundry room. And then we all had Blackberries at that time. Like that was the age of the BBM. And she must have set an alarm to go off when her laundry was done. And then she went to sleep. She passed out because she'd been drinking. And her the alarm on her phone proceeded to go off every two minutes. And I could not find her phone. And this girl would not, like she could not be, she could not be moved. Like, and I couldn't find the phone. And the other two roommates and I were just like frantically like searching through her things, trying to find her phone. And we're all threatening to throw her Blackberry out the window because I'm pretty sure it was a weeknight too. Like this wasn't a, this wasn't even a week a weekend. And she just this was like the whole night this thing was going off. And that really would have not been so good for Brad. Another story that I guess wasn't my roommate, but it was somebody on my floor freshman year that made me remember is that somebody we helped somebody else out on my floor who's, you know, like intoxicated roommate came back and knocked over and broke bunch of like hot sauce on the ground and it was like hot sauce on carpet of a dorm room carpet and so it's like glass and hot sauce everywhere late at night and that's another thing that I think Brad would not enjoy is glass and hot sauce all over his um, bedroom carpet yeah no that would be bad to be fair though how many people would enjoy that no that's true although I think Brad would like not even be he like I think there are some people who would be sort of excited by the novelty of it like lol here we are in college cleaning up hot sauce and brad would be like fuck this i'm going home like i quit college what did we think in general about sort of like the handling of his obsessive compulsive disorder i have to say like i haven't read that many books that feature characters who have ocd and i think this might actually be the first ya book that i've read in that vein even over the last couple of years of doing New Reads November, of course, we've seen so much important rep, but I think this might be the the first time I've seen specifically this representation in a character. Does anybody have any thoughts about how that was handled? I feel like it was very respectful and it was very well handled. I personally have OCD and I saw a lot of those same symptoms that I have in Brad and I felt like it was a very true representation of how it's not just being a neat freak and wanting everything organized but it's you know a mental disorder and there's a lot of things that can really impact how you live your life and like he's saying how he wants to experience college he thinks that that will really impact having a single room will really positively impact his experience yeah which raises the stakes on this scholarship program Shira or Britt, do you have any thoughts on the OCD perspective, whether it's because you learned something or just because you had a take on how he was depicted? I thought it was good. I enjoyed that the fact that he kind of like had, not that this qualifies it as like better or worse in any regard, but I like that he had already been, let's say, working with a therapist and had things that he used to get him through different situations and being able to like write those out in the book I thought was good for anybody who might be approaching this and see like oh there are strategies that I can learn from somebody to like get through these situations if I'm you know a young adult reading this book I thought that was a great way just to deal with mental health rep in general in a book and while I don't have OCD you know like other things of like anxiety and different things I think it's always helpful to see like oh, yes, there are situations that, like, make things heighten, but there's also situations that you can learn to, like, 
get through it in a healthy way when you have different methods. It reminded me of one other YA book that also I thought had good OCD rep that I can talk about later when we do book recs. But I was like, yeah, I think this might be the only two that I've seen in the YA sphere. And I always appreciated seeing like, oh, when it's in that age and kind of with those tasks, it was, it felt very like welcoming and approachable for any people in the YA like genre age range who might be reading this book. And then just to kind of piggyback off of that, you know, in terms of like things that he had to help him in his daily routines and all that, um, other than therapy, even noting that during the course of the book, you're seeing Celine also start to notice when he's starting to struggle a bit. And some of the things that, you know, she, she would kind of catch on, like, you know, when she was noticing that he was struggling and how he how she was kind of responding to that during the course of the relationship from the beginning to the end of the book I think was really great to see that she was still opening up and acknowledging that knowing what he was going through Mm, I love that and I think it speaks to the fact that like it's this respect for what he manages that sort of separates Celine his old friend from his new friends because as far as I could tell Brad's new friends have no idea that he deals with OCD It's not something he talks about. He copes with it on his own. But because they go back so many years, Celine knows. And not only does she know that he manages it, but she knows that he has these coping skills and she can kind of coach him through those moments where he needs to call on those coping mechanisms. So I I really appreciated that. And I thought that the fact that Brad was able to like move through the high school landscape, the fact that he was able to like be pals with the cool crowd is like as much as I hated all of those people because they were mean to Celine, I thought it was an important sort of statement for the author to make because it shows that Brad doesn't have to be ostracized and it shows that Brad is able to cope and able to move through the world in a way that isn't defined by his OCD because he's chosen not to talk about it. And it is everybody's right to share or not share. Obviously, like it would be great to live in a world where everybody can be very open, but he's chosen not to share with his new friends. And I kind of like the fact that the author is saying, you know, you don't have to share. And if you develop coping mechanisms, like you might just be able to like move through high school and not worry about it so much. I mean, I wish he'd picked better friends to not worry about it with, but I thought that that was a nice touch. I also think that there is an important element of the representation of OCD here. And Kate, if you don't mind me putting you on the spot, I'd be curious your thoughts on this. Like, I feel like when I was in high school and even in college up until a few years ago, like OCD was almost like a punchline, like people generally don't understand it. And it's like, oh, you're like, I'm so clean. Like I'm so OCD. And it's a joke. And I'm guilty of doing it sometimes too. And the good news I think is that we've developed many of us a better vocabulary around so much of mental health, so much of neurodivergence. And so I think there's a greater awareness that that's not really what OCD is and it's not to be taken lightly. And I liked that this book shows, like you were saying, these other sides of OCD. And I, I, I mean, I'm hopeful that Gen Z readers kind of already know that OCD isn't like the butt of a joke, but I think that a book like this can advance that a little bit further. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I feel like it did a really good job of showing symptoms that are not, like I said, just having everything clean and having everything so precise and organized. I think it did a really good job of showing the intrusive thoughts that he has, where he's thinking, 
he has to stop himself and say, this is not the end of the world. Like something terrible is not going to happen right at this moment because this one thing is going wrong. And I think it's good because it's showing that not only does he have those coping skills, but he's also, like we talked about earlier, he's still in therapy and he's still developing new coping skills. And I think at one point, Celine even tries to help him and he mentions, oh, I don't you know, need you to do that anymore because I've developed a coping skill for that. Yeah, it shows that there's like a sort of, I don't know if this is the right phrase for it, but like there's like an evolution available to him should he choose to continue to pursue therapy, which he seems happy to do. Yeah, and I like how at the end, Celine was then open to the idea of going to therapy for herself as well, because she saw that 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 was very helpful for Brad. And now that she was, you know, becoming close with him again, like she was when they were first friends, that she could see the progression of, oh, this is how Brad was at the beginning, and this is how Brad is now, and he seems to really have benefited from therapy. We love therapy. This is such a pro-therapy podcast. Love it, live it, need it forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so let's talk about this Expedition Explorers program that they get into. Would anybody in this call sign up for this kind of a program? This outdoorsy, pretty competitive, like I I just feel like there was a lot going on in this program. And I'm curious if anybody here would be like jumping in as a high schooler. I don't know if I have the ego to think I'd like win because I definitely wouldn't have as a high schooler. But if it's like, honestly, it seemed to like not actually be a week each of them. And I was like, okay, if it's like three nights in the woods, twice during a year, and you could get free college tuition, I might have been like, if I knew somebody, I feel like I would need again, the almost like pure like familiarity to be like, we'll do this together. And it'll be wild. But I was like, free tuition is a pretty great thing. But it does seem like a lot of hoops to jump through. Okay, so Shira's going to the woods. Britt, are you going to the woods? I'm definitely going to the woods. Uh, you know, oh. I have a, a single parent, very much relating to Celine uh, in terms of the uh, parent issues. And so, you know, because, you know, it was just me and my mom, I definitely would have done that for the uh, for the college tuition. But also, you're speaking with someone who, when she got to college, to set herself apart amongst her journalism peers, decided to take up a minor in geology. And for those of you who are writers, you know writers and science are not always the perfect blend. No. Which many, many people, including advisors, (laughs) were quick to point out. And I was the only person who was a non-geology major in the geology classes above the entry-level classes. And I got that minor. So That's such a fun fact. There was lots of weekends and camping and all that. So <laughs> I feel like we've unlocked a new side of Brit. I know. So many yeah. rock questions. <laughs> I know. The conspiracy theory, TikTok, geology. <laughs> like what else are we going to learn in the next 20 to 30 minutes? Kate, are you going to the woods? I'm definitely going to the woods. I feel like I've already done this program because I was a Girl Scout my entire life. I worked at Girl Scout camp for many years. I feel like I've lived this and I'm ready to go back. All th- we're, we should all go to the woods. Yes. Oh my God. Wait. Okay. Now that made me realize I did. I was, I was like, not a Girl Scout. I was a Girl Scout in, like middle sc- in elementary school. And then I thought I'd be too busy as a middle schooler, you know, to continue with Girl well, Scouts. There's a lot of Obviously, <laughs> You know, be, but also like, you know, p- playing the clarinet and band is just really going to get me real busy. But I was a camp counselor until I like through college. Definitely took children into the woods. But we didn't have to sleep in a tent. We just kind of slept on a tarp and a sleeping bag for one night. But I did have a child who's now an adult, so it feels fine to say this, who uh, did sleepwalk almost into the woods. And so 
at least this, you're not responsible for children. Uh, but I guess I have slept outside more than I guess I thought ha- I thought of. Yeah, I think you're all ready to go to the woods. Like, I feel good about sending you all into this program. Are you going to the woods? I mean, I'll go to the, now I feel like I have to go to the woods because you're all <laughs> going to the woods. So like, sure, I'll go to the woods. Yeah, I, I will say that when I was in high school, I was pretty much up for anything that would give me an opportunity to be the best at something except sports like I was not a sporty girl just because I knew my limits but just about anything else like if there was an opportunity to prove myself and if there was any academic or like leadership angle and there's definitely that like that's part of the pitch for this program it's not just about being in the woods although that is a big part of it I think I probably would have been like yeah like I'll fuck around and go to the woods let's see what happens yeah Celine and Brad are going to the woods I guess we're all going and I, I feel like we don't have to get too into the nitty gritty about like what happens in the woods. Because for me, if there was one like real beef that I had with this book, it's that we spend so much time at the beginning of the novel talking about the program. And like the author dedicates so much page space and time to like the mechanics of the scholarship and like there being these three different trips and what those trips would look like. And I was really curious to see how they would play out. It actually felt to me almost like a pitch for a reality show, like the way that it was explained. I was like, oh, this feels like something that could be on TV. And then we get like a sort of detailed account of the first expedition, slightly less detailed account of the second expedition. And then two thirds of the way through the book, it's like the whole woods adventure thing goes out the window and becomes background noise. So that felt a little bit confusing and maybe a little bit misleading to me. And I just think that there was opportunity to tell us more on that third expedition or just to like, I don't know, it was cool to take them into another environment, but I just thought that the two halves of the book were a little bit mismatched in that way. I agree. I wanted more details about what they were doing as part of the program. Like we got a little bit about they were pitching tents and they were treasure hunting is not the right word. Uh, golden scavenger, scavenger hunting looking for the golden compasses yes not by philip pullman <laughs> we got a little bit of details about those and then like nothing else i wanted more details about the actual program i agree now now that i know that you're such a committed girl scout that makes sense cheer up Britt. did you feel like you wanted more of the program or was it about right for you i definitely wanted more program i think that you know maybe it would have been either if it had been cut into like halves or maybe quarters because there were the three parts of the expedition but I wanted a lot less of the other stuff and I wanted more of the focus of that especially because as you're meeting the friends that they're starting to associate themselves with and the counselors who are kind of you know in charge of kind of connecting them with Catherine and how they're doing through the program and evaluations and then the infamous party scene that I think that you know I really was much more invested in that because that's what you know was kind of the driving force behind the book and bringing them closer together than they had been in the past. So I definitely wanted more of that as opposed to a lot of the more home, school, everyday life. Yeah, I thought that it's also nice for them to have the scenes with the other friends they meet on the trip because it allowed them to be away from their school folks and see how they actually interacted when they don't have like the people knowing kind of their background a bit and allowed them kind of restart the relationship in a different setting, I thought, which was cool. And they threw a surprise party for their friends. And so I think it was nice to see them become friends in different ways with different people and 
kind of get to start over in that regard. And then when they got back to school, people were like, what are you doing? Don't you hate each other? So I thought that was good. And I would have liked more of that because we already knew what people at school thought about them. But I think that other environment was important. My one note about the party, and this was, I think for the most part, and like the glossary that was the beginning of this book was both hilarious and useful because it sort of reminded me that there are some phrases and words that don't necessarily translate one-to-one between the UK and America. So I appreciate Talia Hibbert for doing that. But the one moment that I had where I forgot that we were not in the US, because so much of this book felt like it could take place anywhere in the US, which I thought was cool, was they throw this surprise party and... Celine asks Brad to help her because it's a friend of hers who's turning 18 and she recognizes that like she's not a party gal and she's like Brad you seem more qualified to throw a forbidden party at camp than I do so can you help me and they're not supposed to socialize so like they're breaking curfew and that's against the rules but they do end up getting caught and I was panicking because I thought that this was going to be a much bigger deal because they were drinking and, you know, Brad had like had met somebody in the woods or like somebody else had met somebody in the woods to bring booze to the party. And I was like, oh, my gosh, they're all underage. This is so bad. But then I remembered that the drinking age in the in, in the UK is 18, uh, which I actually really liked because it's like it's nice that we don't have to have turn it turn into this like whole other layer of like legal trouble. My sense was that Brad kind of got a slap on the wrist because he broke curfew. But I liked that they got to throw this party and not have it become like a massive black mark on their records. I totally agree with that. And the person he actually met up with, I believe, was uh, Celine's sister, Giselle. Yes, 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 yes. Who gave like one of the best lines of the whole book. And I kind of wish we had seen a little bit more interaction with her other than like a few scenes here and there. I think she was a really good kind of driving force for Celine and what Celine was dealing with. Giselle gave some epic pep talks and monologues. And I, I know that we're, we will make sure we circle back to some of the family stuff that Celine is dealing with before we wrap up because that's an important part of her story. But I'm glad that you mentioned her, Britt, because Giselle and all big sisters everywhere deserve a little bit more love sometimes. Like we don't always have to be the responsible ones stepping back and letting our younger siblings take the spotlight. I'm just saying. So I think we all are in agreement that the beauty of this expedition program is that it took Brad and Celine out of their normal comfort zones, introduced them to new people. And so it sort of forced them to shake up the dynamic that they'd settled into at school where they just hate each other and there's so much tension. And it is impossible to detail all of the ups and downs of their relationship because there are so many, like so many that I did feel at times that I lost the thread where I was like, are we talking? Are we not talking? Are we making out? Are we not making out? Like there were so many misconnections. Does anybody want to speak to their general thoughts on just like how this romance progressed over the course of the book? Because another spoiler alert listeners, they do end up getting over all of their drama. They do a lot of making out. It is super cute. They have great banter, but I'd love for somebody else to chime in about how it all went down. I will say my least favorite romance trope is friends to lovers because of that whole are we dating are we not are we just hooking up are we just having fun like that whole will they won't they what's happening I can't stand it (laughs) and you read a lot of romance so I feel like I I feel like we can kind of look to you as an expert what about you Britt 
romance is my number one. So to me, I don't hate Friends as Lovers as much as I hate miscommunication. Oh, well, then you hated this book. <laughs> but that's such a popular trope. But my favorite is Enemies to Lovers. So I get one really great one, one that I don't love so much, and one in the middle. Okay. But I think the part about communication, like I also hate the miscommunication in ones, but I think that it was almost better in here than in other ones because they at least had figured out why they weren't friends by halfway through the book. I was like, thank God. You don't at least have to go back and forth and back and forth, at least for the friendship level. Like that was quick, more quickly wrapped up than most books when they at least were like, okay, we know why we were mad at each other for a long time. And now we're at least okay as friends. Even if then it got complicated as like the friends of lovers, I was like, thank God they've like at least stopped the enemies piece by halfway through, which is more unique. Yeah, that's true. There wasn't a lot of torment about like, why it wasn't working. Brad establishes pretty early on in the book, I want to say within the first third, that he loves her. (laughs) Like, we do not waste time. He's like, actually, I think I might be obsessed with Celine. How weird. (laughs) Which I enjoyed. And it's, it's Celine who takes a little bit longer to figure out how she feels. And I think this is where we can pull in some of her personal history and her family. We figure out over the time that we spend with her that Celine's kind of core fear is getting too attached to somebody and having any one person become her whole world because then that person could leave her. And this ties back to her relationship with her father, who we were introduced to briefly early on. Part of her interest in being part of this Catherine Breaks Fear program is her father's involvement with her foundation because she's told in the brochure that at the end of the expedition or at the end of the scholarship program, there's going to be this big ball And Celine's goal is to win the scholarship and then get to watch her father witness her being this successful kid that he had absolutely no part in raising. And initially, it sort of seems like it's just coming from this place of like resentment. And she's like, ha ha, like, I can't wait to show you that I didn't need you. But it it becomes much more obvious throughout the book that it's much deeper than that. And it's beginning to affect her relationship with Bradley and maybe with other people. Like she's really afraid to just kind of like share her feelings with him. And in bachelor speak, like she has a lot of walls up. Yeah, there was even a quote. I think it was her mom who said it to her later in that regard when she starts to realize how her dad's like lack of involvement with this whole competition, et cetera, is affecting her. And I had written down, you know, her mom said like fairness is about you being happy, not him being punished. So make your life better, but don't try to just like make him like terrible. And her mom kind of said like, you know, he already feels terrible if he's like not ever tried to like make it up with you. Like he's going to deal with that himself. So just like focus on yourself and don't worry about trying to like make him feel like punished the rest of time. And to kind of piggyback off that, Giselle's like one liner quote that I, or well, you know, I had to go back to was her telling Celine, you don't need to be special or significant to have value. You're just important um, always and people either see that or they don't. And like, you know, value those around you and let them appreciate you. And if they don't, then you don't need them. Move on. Um, and that's something I know I've had a I've had to go through that too, relating to Celine, on this front. And so uh, you know it's it's constantly something that's always in the back of your mind. Yes, to all of that. I thought that Giselle's wisdom on that subject was so important, and the fact that Celine has this realization where she's like, "Wait, I thought it was up to me this whole time to prove to my dad that he was wrong, when in fact it has never been my job, and he probably already knows. Like he probably knows that he was a shitty dad, and that's why I don't have a relationship with him." So to see that click, and then to see the way that it impacted her ability to 
get more comfortable with Brad. It was really special. Like I, like I said, I got a little aggravated with all of the will they or won't they. I lost the thread sometimes. And I think like the jumping back and forth between school and expedition, it was a little bit confusing. But once those things came together, like once she came to terms with stuff with her dad and we we really started to understand how that was affecting her response to Brad, it all started to make sense. I think she kind of like was able to cross that barrier and not be scared. And he kept saying to her like, I'm not going to like leave you for somebody else if we go to college. And she like really took a long time to like believe that she wouldn't be hurt if something did happen. Not just connecting with Brad, but, you know, even like her interaction with Brad's dad, the one day when she goes over, you know, she just doesn't, I guess, know how to appreciate like another relationship between a dad and a child. And so it kind of makes her uncomfortable. And even seeing her own comfort level with when she has to talk to her mom about what's been going on when she has to break down right before the ball and say, this is why I originally got involved, you know, her kind of tearing down those walls, um, you know, and being able to kind of express herself on a more emotional level to people, I think was just a really great, really great choice to kind of move her character from this very harsh, outspoken, shrill character, (laughs) you know, to really kind of seeing her on a much more, I think, uh, relatable level. I mean, Celine's dad is horrible, but we do have some great other parents. Like Brad's dad was, was awesome. And I loved, loved, loved Celine and Giselle's mom. I thought they were great. So another big spoiler, everyone, uh, big surprise, but Celine does not get the scholarship. Instead, she's tapped by Catherine for something even better because over the course of the book, the both characters have also figured out like what they really want to do with their lives. They realize that they've both been like a little bit misguided in their plans. They've been prioritizing the wrong things as they make their goals for themselves for college. And so it actually ends up working out better for Celine because she's going to get to have like one-on-one time with her literal icon, which is amazing. And then Brad wins a scholarship, which is super cool because he was sort of the underdog at the beginning. And that's all well and good, but here's what I want to know. Do we think that they are staying together? I think it depends where they go to school. Mm-hmm. I think if one of them, you know, went to the US and one of them stayed in the UK, that that would be more of a challenge versus if they went to schools, you know, 30 minutes from each other. Practical. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about going to the US. I was going to be like, well, how far from the north to the south of uh, Great Britain is it? But, oh my God, that'd be so much worse if it was across the sea. <laughs> the sea. <laughs> Doesn't Brad's sister go to school in the U.S.? Oh, no. There's president. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't see them together forever. I don't see them walking down the aisle together, but maybe through college, you know, but I could see it just being like a very gradual, like growing apart, you know, but still being maybe either involved in each other's lives or cordial I don't think it would be a big tumultuous breakup uh but I I don't see them together forever based on everything that I've read they are stuck with each other because of the family connection so I feel about them the way I felt about Troy and Gabriella in the high school musical franchise wow amazing reference amazing I'm so glad we're here (laughs) because you know when Troy made that whole move of I'm going to Berkeley you know, to be near my girlfriend, to do theater and to do basketball. Well, duh. I was like, I don't know if I believe it. I think it's cute for, I think I agree with Britt. Like, it's cute for now. I don't know if it lasts forever. Well, Gabriella never helped Troy after he fell down a mountain. So 
Who knows? Yeah, I mean, these two have been through the woods. I'm just feeling old because that was after my time. Britt, you need to go on (laughs) Disney Plus right now and watch High School Musical, and then we'll talk about it together. So my wrap-up question for New Reads November, as you all well know, and now we are officially wrapping up New Reads November 2023 because this is the last episode of the month. I would love to hear from each of you about how this book compared to books that you remember reading when you were in high school and what you think that might say about the changes to the publishing industry and the way that we have sort of changed the way that we talk to young people. I felt really positive about this compared to what I read as a teenager. I really liked the representation. I really liked the characters and how complex they were and how many you know issues they were dealing with. And I feel like the books that I read were not nearly as complex and were not handling such sensitive topics as well. I don't think that, like, I think this is one reason I think this is so much better is I think in most things, like I read, they never would have been able to really even be friends back at school again. Like, he would have been ostracized for being friends with, like, oh, the, like, you know, girl who's over the top or whatever. They, I think a lot more would have had to be secret for them to kind of, like, even get back together as friends. And I think this is, like, a much healthier relationship of how people can kind of, like, grow apart, come back together as friends. And then, like, more than friends. But I think this is a lot healthier than most things I read. I'm just going to be honest. I read like Fear Street and like (laughs) V.C. Andrews and like Buffy and I don't even know what else. So like obviously nothing's comparing to this. But I do think it's a really great representation of the different characters, of the progression. I think, you know, it's, um, you know, I just think it's a really great example for what's out there now as opposed to maybe when we were teenagers. You know, I hope that people will give it a chance and whether you're a teenager or maybe not. Yeah, it's a fun read. And I did want to share the final paragraph of this book to close us out. Me and Celine, we've been best friends. We've been enemies. We've even been a secret. But right now, we're everything, anything, whatever we want. And I just love that sense of possibility and like the intensity of young relationships. And I think that really like captures what was going on with them throughout the whole book. But Speaking of other books we read when we were younger, other books we might be reading now, you know what's up next. We're going to talk about book recommendations. And while we are making these rounds, I would also love if you could share like something that you love about being part of the Patreon family. Because while I have you here, I think it's a great moment to just share that with our listeners. Listeners, I've been super open about the fact that I would love to continue growing the Patreon family. And I'm hopeful that this conversation has given you a taste of how much fun we have together. This is a very small subset of our Patreon community, and we just always have such a great time when we're together. So if it's okay with all of you, I'm going to go in reverse alphabetical order. So we will do a book recommendation and then some sort of a shout out to Patreon. Shira, that means you are first. Amazing. So in terms of book recs, I recently listened to Tom Lake by Ann Patchett on audio and that is because Meryl Streep reads it and having 10 hours of Meryl Streep was the most calming thing I've ever had in my life and so I highly recommend that book on audio and one other quick uh, book just because what we were talking about earlier is in terms of OCD rep the only other one that I've really thought it was like a great representation was We Can't Keep Meeting Like This by Rachel Lynn Solomon. I love that book. Which is also YA. And that was, I read first and I was like, oh, this is very cool to have this representation. So I recommend that. I forgot there was OCD rep in that book, but I love that book. So it's so under, it's so under celebrated. It's my favorite of hers, I think. 
And in terms of Patreon, I think I really enjoy having the community piece of it. I think we've had a really good group of folks, as Ali has said, but, you know, having the Discord to have anybody talk about from, like, pop culture to book recs to just, like, recommending an air purifier that's going on sale. It's a very uh, fun group. It's people, you know, of, like, different ages, like, different, like, good, like, book and pop culture recommendations. And it's also just fun to have this group of folks from uh, different ages around the country um, that all have some something similar. Obviously, we like talking about books, but also a wide variety of interests and definitely people that I've learned from over the past. I think we've realized this is our third time that we've done, you know, a gift exchange. And so I think that's wild that it's been a great group for a while. Yeah, a great group. Thanks. How about you, Kate? I love the retreat that we did this past yeah. year. That was the highlight of my spring. We all got to go to Philly and do a bookstore crawl and we were all in an Airbnb together and it was just really nice to see all of the different people that we have in our group at all the different places they live. Like we have people that live in Maine and California and everywhere in between and it was just so nice to meet those friends that we see every month in book club and we chat with every day on Discord in person and that was that's my favorite part. There will be other retreats. We were going to have one this fall, and then I had to go and get pregnant. I actually, I think I might have been pregnant on the retreat, and I didn't know it yet. But as soon as I found out, like, isn't it crazy that one of the first thoughts I had was like, wait, was I pregnant at the SSR retreat? Like, that was Baby K at the SSR retreat? I think they may have been, like, barely, but they may have done, they may have been at the SSR retreat. No, the retreat was great. It was so special to see everybody together. We could not have done the book crawl without Britt. Britt deserves a shout out. Our Philly girl did all of the navigation. We would have been completely lost without her. And Kate, I'm so glad that it was a highlight of your spring. So thank you for that glowing, glowing uh, recap. We will, there will be more. There will. Okay, what else have you been reading lately that you would recommend? I would recommend the Shady Hollow series. It's a cozy mystery series where all the characters are animals and they all live in this little community together. It's like a city and it's so cute. You must read it. Um, I just, I had pre-ordered the fourth book, Twilight Falls, and it came uh, last week and it was chef's kiss. Everything I wanted it to be and more. I'm pretty sure I've rated every book in that series five stars. That's adorable. I really like that idea. Okay, Brett, bring us home. Okay, so I'm panicking about the idea of a book recommendation. So I'll talk about Patreon <laughs> first. So just to kind of piggyback off both Shira and Kate, I love obviously the sense of community, whether it's on the Discord channel, whether it's on Instagram, where a lot of us uh, also chat, uh, or in real life. Um, I love the fact that we do things like send each other books uh, around the holiday season, whether it's a treasured favorite or something off their wish list, really kind of taking the time to get to know one another and be able to kind of give that sense of community um, and embrace everyone through the good times and the bad. And it's, it's just been an awesome experience. Oh, as for a book recommendation, I'm like even sitting here next to all my books and I'm like, oh, panic. Obviously, I'll give a shout out to my good old classic, Alice in Wonderland. You know, I had to. Mm-hmm. In terms of a YA book, if we're going to keep it that way, I would say the Warcross series by Murray Legend. It's a duology. Definitely great. A little bit of Hunger Games meets technology meets like video gaming. Awesome pick. Uh, as for something I've read recently, the Britney Spears memoir, how to read it, how to love it. It was it was just great. There's lots of talk about that on the Discord, too. So that's kind of circles back to the Discord. I haven't read it yet, but I've listened to a lot about it. So there was a lot of discussion about that. Well, I'm so grateful for all three of you. I'm grateful that you put yourselves out there to come on this episode. This was so much fun. 
listeners, I hope you enjoyed getting this little peek into our normal book club chatter and just this conversation about Highly Suspicious and Unfairly Cute. I will include a link to this book in the show notes for this episode, along with links to all of the recommendations from Britt, Kate, and Shira. And thank you so much. This was so great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Allie. SSR is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Thanks so much for listening to the SSR Podcast. Check out our website at www.ssrpodcast.com for show notes and other information. And be sure to connect with us on social media for updates on upcoming episodes, behind-the-scenes inside scoop, and some good old-fashioned book talk. Find us at SSR Pod on Instagram and Twitter and search SSR Podcast on Facebook to join the group. To reach out directly, you can send me an email at hellossrpod at gmail.com. If you're loving the show, it would mean so much if you could subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share your thoughts with a comment. And don't forget to tell your friends, too. In the meantime, happy reading. I'll see you next time on the SSR Podcast.